13. So if you go ahead and open up there, and we are, um, as you all know, we're, we're in the midst of making some significant changes. This is our second to last Sunday meeting at Loudoun Bible Church at this facility. So next Sunday will be our last, um, and then the Sunday after that, we are going to be on Sunday mornings at, at the Smiths, and we'll talk more about more specifics next week. But I thought for the next two weeks, we would kind of give some, some, some overview and some big picture kinds of things. Um, and, and also, we'll, we'll continue those kinds of uh, discussions through the summer because we're, as I've said before, we really see the whole summer as kind of a, a transition time. So we're not turning off one thing and turning on a new thing instantly with the start of June. I mean, it's, we're figuring it out as we go in a lot of ways. And um, uh, so I, I'm, I'm hopeful and looking forward to how God's leading and how he's going to work through it. And, and this week, what I wanted to really highlight um, is just this basic idea that our church is changing in its form, but the mission is going to remain exactly the same. It's unchanged. You know, we've got it on that banner right up there. It says, to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. That, that's what Jesus tasked his followers with just before he left. Go and make disciples. You know, he said right in Matthew, right at the end of, of, of Matthew, said a couple of other places in the Gospels, at the beginning of Acts, same idea. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, which just right there, the bookends of the, of the commandment are a phenomenal ideas. The, the, the beginning bookend is all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. The, the, the top of every single authority structure, every single org chart finds Jesus at the top of it. There's no authority that doesn't have Jesus at the absolute top of that authority. Based on that, he says, go and make disciples. He defines it, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Making disciples is a full idea of, of, of evangelism. In other words, telling people the good news, as well as discipleship. In other words, growing and building up and equipping one another, helping one another, teaching one another. All those ideas to, to obey, to continue to follow Jesus. And then the, the closing book in there, and I am with you to the end of the age. He is present in that activity. The activity, and, and, and to me, that's what a significant thing. Now, we talk about the theology, the, the, the idea of the omnipresence of God. In other words, there's no place where God is not also present. You can't hide from God. He is present everywhere. But, that, but, but Jesus is not making an omnipresent statement in Matthew 28. He's saying, I'm going to be with you in a special kind of way when you're going about my mission of making disciples. And so let me repeat it again. Our form is changing. Our mission is not. Our form is changing. Our mission is not. The way we're going to go about the mission is going to change, but the mission remains the same. That is completely unchanged. And 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 and. and and please keep in mind that, you know, we say that we want to we be more faithful to, to, to commands in the Bible that we feel like we're neglecting in terms of love for one another and relationship for one another. You know, we use the word community, that kind of idea. But our goal isn't community. 
the purpose of community is the mission of God. That's, that's, in other words, we, we come together and be a community to, to glorify God in our relationship with one another and to glorify God by letting other people know about it. You know, we've talked about like John 17 where Jesus talks about love for one another will be a message to the world. So in other words, this community in itself is telling the world the good news. So we, in other words, like another way to think about it is that it, it's not like we want to form this thing where in five years it's just the same, you know, handful of people that are in exactly the same kind of place. It's like, yeah, we know each other better, but nothing's really changed inside or beyond. That, to me, that, that's, that's bad. We don't want to see that. We want to see lives transform, starting with this one. And, 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 and these ones, and then, and then beyond, and wherever that God would lead and how he works for it. And I think, I think a, just a beautiful picture of what we want to see is the, is the idea of the teaching hospital. You know, a teaching hospital, you know, like I think Johns Hopkins is a teaching hospital, and UVA has a teaching hospital, which is, it's a full working hospital, but, but part of its purpose is training and equipping new doctors and new nurses. And... Um, that's what a church, I think, should be, is, a, is a, a place for sick people where actually there's only one doctor. <laughs> His name is Jesus Christ. He is the only doctor in this hospital, and the rest of us are either, we just came in and we're lying in a bed, and, and it's triage, or we've gotten out of the bed, there's a little healing happening, and now we're at work too. Helping other people. Inviting other people in. It's like, this is where the healing happens, folks, in the hospital of God. Jesus Christ is, is the head of that. So let's go ahead and look at Matthew chapter 13, because this has some, I think, some really interesting um, principles to really draw out of it that, that get to this idea of making disciples. And in particular, you know, I want us to think in terms of, uh, uh, of beyond the church. In other words, not just the people in this room, although I think it applies but, be, but beyond the church. So he, he gives this parable. It's called the parable of the sower. Uh, chapter 13, <clears throat> verse 1, it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him. So he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, and I just want to highlight here is that let's not forget that Jesus was incredible at gathering crowds. But he ran a lot of people off. <laughs> he wasn't that great at keeping them. And I, as a pastor, my, my fleshly heart desire is to be fulfilled in an audience, in a crowd. And, and God can and does work through that kind of thing, but it is not the ultimate measure of success in a church. Because Jesus, if you did that, you'd say he was a failure in a lot of regards. So let's, let's go on. He, he spoke in parables saying, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seeds. Some seeds fell on the path. And, and just so we know, I mean, not in our non-agricultural society, he's got seeds and he's throwing them out. This is sowing. He's throwing seeds out of the ground. He said, uh, some fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, 
where they didn't have, have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some from a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. End of sermon. Verse 10, it says, when the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them. So I just want hi- to highlight there that that really is the end of it. He stopped there, and now the disciples, the next section we're about to read is a private conversation between the disciples and Jesus. So you're evaluating Jesus as a teacher. You're evaluating him as a preacher. Imagine yourself as a guy who's like, I heard about this guy that heals and does all these miracles. Some say he's the Messiah. I'm going to go, go a day's journey and hear him give a message. Oh, there he is. Let's gather by the side of the shore. And he sets up on the boat, and he gives his message. And then you go back and you tell your spouse, yeah, what he, he talked about this message. It's like, well, he just talked about sowing seeds and path, some fell on the path, thorns, rocky so- I don't really have any, I mean... If, if people don't understand what you're saying, I mean, are you, are you an effective teacher? <clears throat> He's not, <laughs> I don't know how long people stay at this church, if this is a big church. <laughs> I mean, you, you get me? I mean, it's like, it's not like a, you know, here's the message that's going to change your life. The, the, here's how you become an effective parent, family member, spouse, Whatever you want to say. I mean, it's like, keep coming and hear this guy preach, and your life's going to start changing. I mean, I, at this rate, it's just like, what in the world? And I, so I, I just want to let you feel that. <clears throat> Verse 10, then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Because they're saying, what, what the heck was that? That's like, everybody knows this, Jesus. I mean, maybe, there might have been a guy up on the hill who was... Spread the seed, and he's like, hey, look at that guy over there sowing. And everybody's like, yeah? It's like, he just told us a bunch of stuff we already know. <clears throat> he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And I, and I think that the thing for us to realize is that when you understand the gospel you have been given a treasure that is incredibly precious. It, it, the gospel is available to everybody. The, the, the kingdom, the door to the kingdom is wide open and everyone is invited. But not everybody goes in. Not everybody hears. For to the one who who has who has more will be given and he will have an abundance but the for the one who has not even what he has will be taken away and that's getting more to that privilege it's like if we have got the gospel and we understand it we've got something that is meant to be i mean there's something that God's expecting us to do with it 
This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. And he's talking to us right there. If you understand the gospel, then blessed are your ears. Blessed are your eyes. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear. And I, he just quoted from Isaiah. I think we could put Isaiah in that same category. Isaiah got to see a vision inside the throne room of God, but he longed to understand and hear what we get to understand here. Big deal. Verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. Now he's going to flesh it out for us. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. So let's just go back and and understand that that, that the the sowing of seeds is, is the message of the word of the kingdom. And I think there's a lot wrapped up in that. But I think at the bottom line, it's the gospel. The message of the the big picture message of God's redemption of of mankind. And and when he says kingdom, I I think that's that's getting to this idea that God's kingdom is coming. You know, you know, uh, I I just did my my quiet time working through uh, the life of David. You know, and, and, and God just promised him in my own my own personal reading that your son is gonna sit on your throne forever. And and that is a prophecy looking forward to a kingdom. With Jesus on the throne. So the message of the kingdom. So it says that some, in verse 19, do not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So, so this is, the, you know, he's throwing it out there. Some lands on a hard path. Birds come and snatch it away. That's what he's talking about there. They didn't understand it. Got sowed in their their heart. They heard it. One of their ears. They understand. You know, it's like okay, I hear what you're saying. Didn't really understand it. It got snatched away. Verse twenty. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So far, so good. I mean, if you if you share the gospel with somebody and this is a response, you'd be like, wow, this is exciting. It's so happy what's happening here. Verse 21, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for the one who's sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, the word, and it proves unfruitful. So we got two different kinds of reception. Like, in other words, they received it. We got a rocky ground and a thorny one, but it doesn't last. Like, something happens. 
you know, you know, one of them is in the rocky ground that it talks about, you know, there's persecution that comes. There's, there's, there's hardship of some kind that's like, okay, I, I, I heard and understood the gospel, but I'm not ready for that. That's too much. I got I to gotta, I gotta stay away from that. And you can imagine, like, thinking about uh, later persecution that came in the church. You know, and, like, take, take Paul. When he went door, he went door to door to door. Like, do you follow Jesus? There were some people, I'm sure, that, like this. They said, no. I don't, who are you talking about? And, oh, well, actually, the, my neighbor over there, I know he does. <laughs> you know, be the guy that's ratting them out. But it's like, I, I'm not, I can't sign up for that. That's, that's too much, too hard. I'm out. And then among the thorns, that's the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. In other words, like, uh, I wanted to hang on to this little thing over here. I didn't want to give that up. And, and uh, I wanted to keep this whole lifestyle of, of riches and wealth, and I didn't want to give any of that up. And um, you know, my hopes and dreams were to have this kind of car or that kind of house or this kind of life or whatever it might be, not this sold out for Jesus. If, if he's going to expect me to give that up, then uh, not sure. Verse 23, as for the, what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. Now, four types of soil. There's, there's a kind of soil, and he's categorizing all people, I think, can fit into these four soils. And I don't know that we can say that you can, that, so you got a, a quarter, 25% for each one. I don't know that you can say that all people are 25%. I don't think he's saying that necessarily. But I do think you can say that all people will fall into one of these four. Number one, they hear it and they don't understand it. Doesn't, nothing happens. Number two, they hear it and they respond, hey, this is really good. But then something hard comes. It's like, I'm not into that. I can't be into that. I'm not following Jesus to that level of anything. You know, I thought he would make my life better, not harder in that way. You know, when he said deny yourself, I thought he just meant, you know, this thing. Not that thing, you know. Um, and, then, and then the third would be the person that, that's, that's um, you know, choked off by just life. It's like, I just love my life. I just want to live the way I want to live. So on, what, on the one hand, you've got a seeking pleasure and enjoyment. And the other side, it's the, the fears and concerns and the hardships that might come. You know, negative pressures and positive pressures of the world. And then finally, you have this person that understands it. And then they bear fruit. You know, because, again, you know, when, you, when you're sowing seeds, that farmer is sowing seeds that he reaped the previous generation, right, of, 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 of whatever he's, he's sowing there. Just because something grows, that's not multiplication. Multiplication is it then produces a fruit that then leads to something else. Remember we talked about that before. It's like, you know, like an apple tree has apples, and when it plants it's, it's not enough that just another plant crops up, right? So say you got one apple tree, and then the apples fall off, and you plant another, and then you have another apple tree. Well, if none of those apple trees bear more fruit, then that's the end of apples, right? That, because there's only one tree that's bearing fruit that's multiplying. 
but nothing else is coming after it. So real multiplication is when we make a disciple who's then turning around making another disciple, right? That, that's, that's what he's talking about in terms of this principle. But, but another thing to think about here, I think that's fascinating, is that four different people, three out of the four received Christ in some way. I mean, you would say there's a response. You know, again, it's like if, 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 you know, within the first few days of all three of those people, you'd say, this is awesome, praise God. These three, three new people that are now a part of our church. But it's saying that there's a couple there that's, that's the end. There's no more beyond them. Nothing goes beyond it. This is, and then this, to me, this is really fascinating. I've got on the screen Acts 9, verse 31. And we preached on this of maybe a month ago or so. And look at how this parallels these, two, these three areas. He says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. They're not afraid of the Roman government that's coming after them or, or their boss that hates Christians or their neighbor or their, I don't know, whatever, whatever it might be. They're not afraid of any of those things. It's like, I follow God and he's the most powerful thing. I fear him more than anything else. I tremble at the presence of God. I tremble at the, at the, at the reading of his word. It's like that's, that's the big deal in my life in terms of negative forces. And then in terms of pleasures and enjoyment and comfort and all those kinds of the, the positive kind of side, it's, it's the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Where do I find my fulfillment? Where do I find my pleasure? Where are all those kinds of things? They're rooted in God and who God is. And that leads to multiplication. And, and, and another thing, too, to think about here is, like, what's our job in all of this? Like, what's the job of a farmer? There's a lot of things that farmers do. Um, one of them is sowing. <laughs> um, they cultivate the soil, get it ready. Um, they might have to work on irrigation, depending on the... I mean, there's a lot of factors. Maybe put some fertilizer in, those kinds of things. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7. I've got it on the screen as well. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. God is the one who makes it grow. I think that our job is sowing seeds. And, and I believe that also includes one another as well. You know, it says to teach one another to obey all that I have commanded you. In, in other words, this is a process of growth together where we are sowing the seeds of truth into one another's lives that hey you know what that's wrong Jesus died for that by the way it's like submit yourself to God come back to him you know, walk, walk with him follow him uh, you know, love him more than anything else deny yourself all those kind of those, I believe that's sowing seeds into, into one another's lives but we can't make growth we can't force the other person to grow. I think they just have to respond. And I think that's true with all of us, one another. And, and you know, there's days where I want to hear from you. <laughs> and there's days where, I know I don't want to hear from you. Stop talking to me. I think that's normal. I don't think that's uncommon. 
But I think that a life submitted to God in this kind of way is going to lead to multiplication. And we want to see that happen within our community. Not for numbers growth, but for actual multiplication, where I've duplicated myself. And, and, and look at this. I mean, I'm not very good at math, but what, what's the percentage growth if, if you have a 100-fold return or a 60-fold return or a 30-fold re- return? I mean, I, I, I have a small retirement account that is in some kind of funds that's, like, diversified. And, uh, you know, which I understand is smart, right? You don't want to have all your money in one stock or whatever because that company could go down. So, so what if your, your advise, financial advisor told you, well, there's four funds. Uh, there's the on-the-path fund, and that's, that's basically you just throw your money in the trash can. It's not, it doesn't do anything. And um, so you got that one. That, that's the optional one. And then you've got this, this one's a ground, rocky soil kind of one, and um, it'll duplicate what you have, but it's not going to grow. Nothing, there's not going to be anything more. Um, so you'll get to enjoy this new plant, but then it's going to die, and it's time, and that's it. And then similar thing with the thorns, but it's got a thorn option, which might be your thing. And um, same, same result as the ground one, rocky ground one. Um, and then there's this other one where, you know, I'm not sure, but it might be 100-fold, it might be... 60-fold might be 30-fold. Um, where do you want to put your money? What are you going to put it down on? I mean, it's, it's kind of like, well, I'm not really into diversification at that point. <laughs> it's like I'm putting it all in on that kind of person. And, and I think that that's the way I, I really want to see us working and thinking as a church moving forward. We're talking about a community. Everybody's welcome. We're, we're sowing the seeds out there wide and broad to everybody. But where am I going to put my time? Where am I going to keep coming back to and pushing energy into? I want to see, I want to push it into these places where there's multiplication happening. And, and to me, the other beauty of that is that, you know, because we all have all experienced this. It's like you've got the friend that's just like, man, they just eat up everything I give them, and it's so cool to see how they grow. And then you've got the other friend that's just like, I just can't get through this guy. And, and I, I wonder sometimes if we don't realize that the person that's right in front of us who's ready and willing might be the one that God's going to use to reach that person you can't seem to cut through. And, and I really think that's part of this. Is like I want to see us pushing into this, in, into the people, and into one another as, as we're willing, because we want to multiply. And I think when we multiply ourselves, we're going to see more people reach it. We had never thought of, like, that's even possible, that that could have worked that way. And another thing, too, and this is, I don't want to take, I, I want to be careful about how much liberty I take in, in, in being critical of other churches. Um, but for a long time, I've, I've you know, as a pastor, and it, it's, it's frustrated me a little bit that, that, and again, I think this is an overgeneralization, so don't push it too far, but I think in a lot of my experience in church, you got people that are all there, and they're in one of those three categories. You know, the, the non-believer doesn't come, typically, but you've got believers, the three types. And, and I hate to see us take the most fruitful people and work them to death keeping the other two happy. Does that make sense? So it's like, 
Um, you know, because they might say, look, you know, I'd be a part of your church if it was a little easier in this way, or if you had this kind of program or that kind of thing, or, you know, something that met, met this, this little need of mine. It's like, okay, okay. It's like, well, I got these willing people over here that are just ready to give themselves to Jesus, so I just want to inspire them to serve. I don't, I don't think we should do that. I don't think we should, or maybe it's somebody that's just like, look, I'm afraid of, of, of giving more than, than a certain amount because I, I need to make sure I have them in control of all my money or, or whatever the fear side might be. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, well, well, we'll alleviate your fear and make it less fearful to be a part of church. So we're going to take these people who aren't afraid of anything and we're going to run them out in front of you and make sure life is easy for you. Show up when you can, you know, be a part when you can, uh, uh, maybe on Easter, hand out some extra cards. Or, you know, you know, I mean, and, it, and again, God has worked in mighty, incredible ways. So, so don't, I, I don't want us to be arrogant. I don't want to come across as arrogant about that either. But I don't want us to be a church that by design makes it easy for people who, who don't want to find their comfort in God or, or makes it easy for people who are afraid of anything and everything but God. To me, those are fundamental kinds of things. You don't, you don't kind of go around that. It's like, it's like, brother, sister, we love you, but you can't get around the fact that God is on the throne. He is in, he is in control of every aspect of your life. Follow him, trust him, and you will not be sorry, but you got to get past that. You know what I mean? Those are the people we want to give into. And so <clears throat> one thing that I want to see us doing as, as, as we go as, as well is, is really encouraging one another and celebrating with one another um, the opportunities that God gives us to sow seeds, to throw seeds out there into hearts. And so in the past, we've talked about that plus one idea, and I want us to revive that and make that more a part of our normal conversation and, and really remember that plus one idea was that God's brought people into your life. It's, it's, it's family members, it's co-workers, it's neighbors, it's people that are in your life that you've got some type of connection or relationship with. And, and maybe it's a neighbor that you've like lived next to them for years and they don't want to have anything to do with you and they've made that clear. And so you're like, well, but I'm going to see how I can crack into that. You know, and so you just look for opportunities and you start praying the Lord to give opportunities. And, and a plus one would be, I finally was able to say hello to them at the mailbox. It was really short and weird, but I know their name and now I've got their name. Plus one. Right? And there's all these little plus ones, plus ones, plus ones, plus ones. I got the opportunity to have them over for dinner. I, I, I had this great opportunity to, to, to hear their story, to kind of find out what makes them tick. And, and, and why they are who they are. And they, they shared a little bit of their heart, and we, I know a little bit about them. And, and then I got the opportunity to do the same to them. Like, here's where I'm at. And, and then I got the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And, and then, you know, we've been, I was able to help them out at this thing. And, and, and then their, their grandma was in the hospital, and so I was able to, you know, it's like those are all plus one opportunities. And, and I think that it's kind of like eating an elephant, you know, one bite at a time. You, 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 we want to see somebody... Come to faith. Accept the gospel and understand it, right? But 
That's a gigantic elephant, right? But let's break it down into little steps that God might provide, you know, and, and sometimes he'll tee it up for you, make it easy, and it's just plus one to 100%, you know, or it's just something that's like, I don't know how I'm going to crack through this person, but God's brought him in my life, and it might be years and years and years and years and years, but I'm going to keep at it, keep at it, right? We want to see seed thrown, right? Seed thrown more and more. So we're going to go ahead and uh, transition out. I apologize, it took a little longer than I'd planned. Um, let, me, let me go ahead and <clears throat> pray, and then we will go into the Lord's Supper. Father, I, I thank you for...